It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. And now you've got Kajula looking for the activating nurse. He's got him to win it. Nurse shoots and scores. Raleigh takes the step, settles into the pocket. He's got some time. Now he's going deep, looking down the sidelines. Oh, what a catch! And that's going to be a touchdown all the way to the end zone for Darrell Walker. An absolute bomb. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Here we go, another week. Yes, it's an interesting week here on the airwaves of 6.30. Chad, Oilers in Cologne, Germany. We got breakfast with the Oilers 7 a.m. on Wednesday. And the Oilers and Cologne Sharks on Wednesday, yes, 8 o'clock. There you go. Yes, 8 a.m. It'll be breakfast with the Oilers starting at 7, the game at 8. Reed Wilkins in uh, for Bob Stoffer all week on Oilers Now. Reed will be on this show as well uh, tomorrow, Thursday, and Friday. You got me today and Wednesday. And uh, very happy to be back in the chair uh, here on 630 Chat Inside Sports. Uh, Kellen Kennedy on the other side of the glass. What's up, brother? What's going on, Dave? Oh, it's good. It's good, man. It's man. Good. Yeah, well, we had an interesting weekend, didn't we? It's not so good in some <laughs> ways. We'll we'll spend a lot of time on that. Uh, uh, Got to let you know uh, the uh, National League Wild Card was uh, settled today as well. The Milwaukee Brewers beat the Chicago Cubs 3-1 to wrap up the NL Central, and the LA Dodgers beat the Colorado Rockies 5-2 to wrap up the NL West. So that sets up a wild card matchup in the National League later on the week between the Cubs and the Rockies in Chicago. Then American League wildcard game will go tomorrow at Yankee Stadium. The New York Yankees at home to the Oakland Athletics. Or as we like to say, the A's. There you go. That's how we do things around here. Uh, Monday Night Football tonight. It is in Denver as the Broncos will host the high-powered Kansas City Chiefs. But yes, we are going to talk a lot about in this hour uh, the Edmonton Eskimos debacle on Saturday and what um, happened basically after the game um, or a day later, let's just say. But uh, we all remember what happened. And we're not going to replay the whole game because that's just why would we do that? But uh, pretty somber at the end, I'll tell you. This ball game is over. Thank goodness it comes to an end. The Eskimos beaten badly at home by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, 30-3. to So it was probably the worst performance I have seen at home maybe ever. I remember a 17-3 game uh, in the driving rain in 2013. Uh, but back then the Eskimos weren't very good, and they weren't supposed to be very good that year. And uh, by the way, Eskimos have played 1,176 regular season games. That is the 30th time they have been held to three points or less. And they're 0-30. Imagine that. 
<laughs> Score three points in the CFL, you're not going to win. Probably not going to win the NFL either. At one point in the NFL, you probably could have about 30 years ago. Maybe not even 30 years ago. Maybe uh, 20 years ago. But uh, there's something wrong with this team. Clearly. No doubt about that. So what happens yesterday? Eskimos announcing uh, around, oh, I don't know, sometime in the noon hour, around uh, 12, 20, somewhere in that range, the uh, firing of one Corey McDermott, who is the special teams coordinator. Been with the Eskimos since the 2016 season. And I think it took a lot of people by surprise. Not that it didn't make some sense because the special teams has been struggling for a long time. Basically, ever since Corey McDermott uh, showed up, especially in the area of the return game. The kicking game's been pretty good. The cover teams have been, for the most part, holding their own. The return game has been dreadful. But it's interesting when you have a struggling offense that you fire the special teams coordinator. But here's Jason Moss today discussing why he fired Corey McDermott. Well, I think at the end of the day, um, it just comes down to um, on special teams, I don't think we're good enough. And at the end of the day um, as well, you know, it's my job to look at everything as a football team and try to make us better. And, you know, flat out, I think we can be better in those areas. So in that area. And, uh you know, it's a tough decision because I love Corey. Had him here for two and a half years, hired him. You know, there's our relationship's good and nothing to do with that. And I respect the man. He worked hard. You know, he, uh, I, I know Corey would want to keep going and keep working at it and treat, keep trying to make it better. But at the end of the day, I have to, you know, make a decision what I feel in my gut is right. And um, that's why I chose to make the decision. So who takes over? Dave Jackson does, who, under Corey McDermott, was a special teams assistant. So it seems kind of like a lateral move right now. You're going from McDermott to Jackson, and these two have been tied at the hip for a long time. You know, I think about seven of the last eight years that um, either individual has coached in any level of football, they have coached together. But what can Dave Jackson do differently that Corey McDermott didn't? I think it's just a different voice, to be honest with you. Um, you know, he's been tied to Corey's hip for two and a half years, learned a lot. But I think like any assistant coach, you have some ideas of your own that you listen to, um, and you're always going to back the guy that's doing the job, that you're, that's part of your job is to do that, to, to lend a voice. But um, I know he's got great attention to detail. He'll work extremely hard. He's in the building all the time. He's accountable. Um, you know, and he runs some of our meetings already. So I know he's capable of doing that, leading a group. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, it's just one of those things where I feel um, it's just going to be a spark or a different voice that guys need to hear. And uh, again, he'll bring some different ideas. And with the thought of it's going to make us better. I don't think you make this move without believing in your heart or in your gut that it is the right move and it's going to make us better. And and that's what I have to believe in. That's what you have to believe in. Uh, the return game has been a difficult issue for this football team. And if you want to call in, you want to text in, you want to tweet me, you can do that as well. 
You can uh, call in at 780-496-0063, pound 630, star 630 on your cell out of town, 1-800-663-0630. Text in at 630-630. You can also tweet me at Dave underscore Ched. Uh, the fire of Corey McDermott, how do you see it? And is there any hope left for this Edmonton Eskimos team who have four games left at 7-7 seven and seven, are in the crossover position in the Eastern Division? 7-7 seven and seven this season in the West isn't dire but it isn't safe either, not even close. Can the Eskimos catch the Riders for second at 9-5? and five? Who won a tight game yesterday against the Montreal Alouettes? It's possible. The Eskimos got a win on Thanksgiving. But the lack of a return game. What return game, many of you might say, and that's valid. But here's what Jason Moss has to say about it. We realize here, and we haven't always had... Um, in the return game, I'll say this. For two and a half years, you know, the first year, we whoever we put back there, a lot of times we put Brandon Zilster back there. Is Brandon Zilster returning in this league? No. Is he one of the best players in our league? Yeah, and he was. And uh, we would put him back there with a the thought, he's going to get the ball and get us whatever yards are there and get out back. We were fine with that. And, you know, as, as the years have gone by and um, the times have gone by, we've tried to get better on return game. We've tried to put whoever's back there to make us better. And obviously we trade for Martiz. And you just don't see the improvement you'd like to see. Um, you know, and as part of that, you know, again, it's not all scheme. It's not all in the coaches. Some of it is the players executing and all that stuff. But when you don't have hope that you're going to get better, that's where it, it gets bad. And so I'm hoping... <laughs> Obviously, that this move will make our field position better, make us have the, the thought in our mind that we're going to change uh, position of the field. We have yet, we're one of the few teams, have, we have one 30 yard return, I think, all year. Most other teams have way more than that. And, you know, I feel like, you know, if our guys have that positive feeling every time we step on the field from here on out, that better things are going to start happening. Um, but on top of that, the details of our, our cover teams, you know, we, we can play great for a great majority of the game great for five or six games and then we give up a pump block or we give up a big return you know last year we had five games straight where we gave up a return um you know and this year last you know for ottawa we had a punt returned on us it luckily it got called back and but i've seen other games where those block in the backs don't happen and and that's two straight weeks and catastrophic stuff has happened to us and if we're going to be okay somewhat with not having the best return games we have to be sharp at everything else and ultimately like i said i don't put all this on Corey. i just say our whole room needs to get better um and you're you know at the end of the day that's what you have to believe that you make a move like this everybody understands their that every job is important every detail of every job on special teams offense and defense is important and with better start doing it and doing it better and ultimately that's on all of us and to that last point and furthering that last point and i'll just read this text at six thirty six thirty. just curious how the special teams gets blamed for a 30 to 3 loss i understand field position but come on let's face it it should have been someone else who had lost their job okay let's think about it quickly is Jason Moss going to fire himself as the offensive coordinator with four games left? <laughs> You're dreaming. You're dreaming. That phase is the biggest concern right now with me, and, with, and I think it should be with a lot of people. People blame Mike Benavides a lot and that defense, and it doesn't look pretty. It doesn't look crisp at times. It's bend but don't break. 
even though he doesn't like that phrase, but that's what it essentially is, make you drive the field and stay and be so efficient that you have to be almost perfect to score on us. And at times it has looked leaky. But what has his defense done lately? Stop teams in the red zone, force teams into field goals. Um, they have sacked the quarterback and put more pressure on the quarterback, right? Now, the one thing they haven't done very well, fourth quarter stops when they need it, especially on the road. They were they were absolutely brutalized as far as defending short fields. The offense did nothing, nothing. And I will say this, this offense doesn't pick it up. It won't matter who is the special teams coordinator on this team. But is there an underlying reason? Is there a, a bigger meaning to firing Corey McDermott, who I felt, you know what, hey, the move makes sense. I don't think his special teams has been very good especially in the return game. Does this send a message, Jason Moss? Regardless of trying to make a statement or not, it makes a statement to your football team. I think it holds everybody accountable. Details. Um, you know, Corey wasn't out there playing when a punt gets blocked, and it's a scheme, and our guys didn't execute it. And, you know, our return game hasn't been up to snuff. And that, is that all on the coordinator? No. Is it guys you know, getting two penalties on return game this game that made our returns look worse? Um, you know, is it guys not being able to do their job and ultimately we've we've done a lot of moving around a lot of pieces over the last two and a half years to get things better and ultimately it wasn't getting better but for everyone in our room and it's not just special teams it's everybody we all need to get better you don't just lose a game 30 to 3 and it's all on one side of the uh, of our team it's everybody collectively needs to be better and is that the message it sends i think it probably does it's not exactly intended that way it's more of a gut feel for me i felt like i needed to do something to to make us better um, but i know that it can be looked upon that way and i'm fine that it is and if everyone focuses a little bit better over the next four weeks and understand there's consequences to to losing um, con- consequences not doing your job the way it needs to be done um, you know football is all about little details and discipline we've gotten surely better at discipline we're we're definitely lower in the league i think we've moved up two spots from where we were six weeks ago but the details are still lacking and at the end of the day that's probably why we don't execute to the high the highest level every game all three phases we're great on offense at times great on defense at times and then there's a little lull and that little lull is at times details not being met and that expectation is that you've got to do that on every play because you never know which one's going to cause you to or help you win or lose a game. But uh, ultimately, I'm hoping this decision definitely awakens our team to the reality that everything matters. And uh, hopefully we do that better for the next four weeks. So there you go. It's a, it, it is message sending big time. It is shocking this team. That is another reason why you do it. And it's not that Jason Moss spun the wheel and says, which coach I'm going to fire. I mean, I think he has been concerned about special teams for a while. And he said it. He has been concerned about the offense. At the same time, he's the head coach and the offensive coordinator. He's going to keep both roles until the end of the season. Depending on what happens, we'll see. Okay. If the team pulls this off as far as, you know, getting to the playoffs and playing well down the stretch, then you know what, then the questions about his future are going to go away because I know they're starting and I know fans are getting all upset and in a tizzy and I, and I get it. I understand it completely, um, but we are far away from that. But the next four games is going to determine a lot. But when you hear we're not paying attention to the details, when you still hear of players not, you know, 
not getting on time to meetings, not being attentive in meetings, not doing what they're supposed to do in practice, et cetera, et cetera. And here we are. It's the 15th game of the season coming up. That's a little concerning. It certainly is. 620. Uh, we'll take your calls. We'll read your texts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Your tweets in a moment here. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins on Inside Sports. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. 624. Oiler news today. Uh, they trade defenseman Jakob Yerebek to the St. Louis Blues for a six-round pick in the 2020 draft. It does change into a, or will change into a fifth-round pick if Jerebek does play 50 games or more games in the regular season this season with the Blues. Also, Pontus Aberg, who was... Uh, Placed on waivers by the Oilers yesterday. He got picked up by the Anaheim Ducks. We'll talk about the Oilers later as uh, they are in Germany right now. Your text at 6.30, Rick says, I think there may be tension between Riley and Moss as far as the play calling goals. Riley looked totally out of sync on Saturday. At first thought, I thought he might be playing injured, but apparently not. His best, He's the best quarterback in the league, has to deal with play calling that is so dull, lacking creativity, and he must be giving up on this system and possibly the coach. I, I don't understand where the lack of creativity is. I don't get that part. What do you mean dull and lack of creativity? I don't get that. This is still a very high-scoring offense that hasn't scored much lately. I, I get that. Jason Moss did say one thing, and we'll play it later um, if we have time. If not, you can hear him after 7.30 on the coach Eskimos Coaches Show on 6.30. Chad he says he may have to simplify things. Maybe he is being too complicated with the playbook. Maybe he needs to call things that Mike Riley will be more comfortable with. That's a possibility. But to say this is a dull offense, I think that's just a lame excuse from fans at times and sometimes media. Oh, the things are going bad. It's a dull offense. It's not a dull offense. If, you, if you've watched this offense enough the last few years, this is not a dull offense. It's an offense that is struggling. News is next from the 630 Chet 24-Hour News Center. In the next half hour, uh, we'll take more calls, more texts on the Eskimos. We'll hear from Blake Dermott as well, our in-game analyst here on 630 Chet. Get his thoughts on the, the news of the Eskimos uh, over the last couple of days and what the heck is going to happen in the future. Back with more in a moment. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Inside Sports this hour brought to you by Northern Chicken, bringing down Southern comfort food to Edmonton with Southern classics and other tasty treats. Salivate or the menu at northchickenyeg.com. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins tonight. You can text in at 630-630. Rick uh, clarifying the... Uh, the dull comment and the lack of creativity. It's long ball, long ball, then a run. Where the draw play sweep short passes over the middle. Yeah, I will I will agree with that, that um, I think we have seen some impatient play calling 
at times from Jason Moss. We have also seen, I think, some impatient play from one Mike Riley and some inconsistent play. I mean, last game it was uncharacteristic. He overthrew Bryant Mitchell twice. He unfortunately uh, sailed a ball on Duke Williams, and he got hurt. And it doesn't look like it's overly serious for Duke, and we'll we'll uh, we'll uh, explain that in a moment. But, uh, yeah, I think there's some creativity. Someone's asking, how would I grade Jason Moss this year? Ah, it's been tough. I, I don't know. I mean, at 6-3, and three, I would say, oh, he probably deserves maybe an A-. minus. Probably deserves about a C. C to C- minus right now, I'd say. You know, I mean, what he has done well, uh, the team is not taking as near as many bad penalties as they were in the first half of the season. But being that he's the offensive coordinator, and he's a reason why the he is a factor in why the offense is struggling. He's not the factor, you know. Like let's differentiate that, people. Yeah, I I think he's a C to C minus somewhere in that range. Uh, yeah, I think he's struggling as well. I think Mike Riley is struggling, and no, I do not think he should be sitting down for plays. So Kevin Glenn or Daniel Bryan should play. The best chance to win is 13. You start him, you play him, you go with him. End of story. They need to be better up front. The receivers need to be better as far as knowing their assignments, the running backs, everybody. And it just they're, they're totally discombobulated right now. Um, Elvis is uh, up here on uh, 630 Chet Inside Sports on the phone line. Hey, Elvis. Hey, Dave. How's it going, bud? Good, man. How are you? Good, good. I listened to the uh, sh- the show after the game, and I I was just preparing. I, I listened to you guys first of all, and then when the fans started calling in, I just I kind of listened, but I didn't listen because I knew exactly what was coming—the mm-hmm. head hunting and all that other fine stuff. And and in some just cause, in a little ways, people are panicking because we have a great cup here this year, and uh, every team usually tries to load up so they they can get to the great cup when it's in their hometown. Doesn't always work out, but I will I will say this. Uh, people make a big deal about halftime adjustments, and there's there is some stuff you can do. They had no answer for the blitz, and the lack of points is really scary, mm-hmm. really really scary in the last two games. Yeah, and you know when I, I want to talk about halftime adjustments, and they are important. But now that the iPads are on the sidelines, I think in-game adjustments are far more important than halftime adjustments. Although I think halftime adjustments are important because you you know that you got some more time to to uh, you know to kind of look at film and to and to especially talk to your players. But I think that's an ongoing process. But yeah, I mean, I think in the Winnipeg game, I think they had no answers for the blitz. I don't think they had any answers for um, I think from a special team standpoint. Let's talk about the return game. Uh, you notice that uh, Justin Medlock was asked to kick um, away from Martise Jackson, not out of bounds, but make him run and make him not field the ball in the air, but have the ball sit on the ground and have Martise Jackson pick up the ball. And that is yeah. that is a nightmare for a returner. I mean, he doesn't like to do that. And there were no adjustments made there. There was a block punt that really that really caved in the team's confidence, I think. Um, yeah. which is strange because we have seen this team really stand up to adversity and just look it in the eye and just punch back. And they haven't done that for probably since the, the Saskatchewan game in early August at home and, and definitely for sure the first game of the season in Winnipeg. So that's concerning to me. Absolutely. And, you know, and listening to you guys, when, when I listen to you guys when I'm driving, a lot of times I'll listen to the game and also I'll watch it on TSN when I get an opportunity. But it's it's been uh, and I've heard you you guys commented on before and I've heard the guys on TSN commented on it before uh, 
And they, they say that it just seems like when you get pressure on Mike Riley, that he has a tough time dealing with it. And I don't know if they, if there's like, I mean, what, 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 what do you do? I mean, like Winnipeg was blitzing. I've never seen such a furious blitz in my whole life. Montreal was kind of blitzing them a bit. And I thought that they would have time, enough time to come back and make the corrections on that. But, uh, Michael Shea's defense, like his uh, his defense, that was scary. Like, well, um, and that, what what do the Eskimos do that you can't do against that defense? They turned the ball over seven times. Well, absolutely, you can't do that. No, you can't. And I, and I think, like, I mean, it's easy to sit here and be a, a, a armchair uh, quarterback and armchair coach and armchair GM, but I mean, like, they 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 just didn't seem to have an answer for that blitz, and that blitz just kept coming and coming and coming. And uh, I think you're going to see a lot of teams that are going to pin the ears back and come after Riley. I think they they think they can rattle him a bit. Yeah. Okay, Elvis. Thank you very much for the call. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, bud. Bye. There was some favorable news on Duke Williams. I don't think it's super severe. Um, you know whether he'll go this week or not. You know right now we don't know, um, but it's definitely not severe enough to keep him out for the year. So um, you know we'll, we're going to still evaluate him. We got a couple more days before we practice. So. I know this about Duke. Duke's one of those guys that no matter how hard or how much he's hurt, he wants to go and he'll give you everything he's got and he will play hurt uh, regardless. So I think as long as he can run and he can protect himself, that he'll, he'll go. What I've learned about Duke, and I've seen it in Calgary game where you think he's gone and then all of a sudden he comes back taped up and ready to go. I will say this, if Duke can run and he can catch, he will play. And that's just what I know about him, and he'll deal with the pain that comes with that. And I think that's why we all love him. All right, so that is some favorable news. So the Eskimos get back on the practice field on Wednesday, so we'll get an early indication whether we see number 81 of the Edmonton Eskimos. And looks like Mike Riley's fine, by the way, too. Should mention that as well. Uh, he suffered uh, a bit of a, an injury. looked like a shoulder or something like that uh, late in the game. He was pulled uh, late in the fourth quarter, but looks like he's okay as well. Uh, we bring in Blake Dermott, our in-game analyst uh, on 6.30 Chad Eskimo broadcast. Uh, Blake, thanks for coming in. And, uh, you know, I think everyone's still reeling from what we saw that 30-3 loss to the Bombers on Saturday it was quite shocking. Yeah, tough loss is probably putting it a little mildly. It was, uh, uh, you know, I'm still bumping into people over the course of the day and last, uh, uh, yesterday just how many people had questions about what is going on. And 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 really, it was it was a tough game to watch for, uh, for Eskimo fans. It was a team that, you know, had, had spoken so much about how important this game was and how important it was to have a really good showing and, and, and all that, and then to come out and to lay the gigantic goose egg like they did. Uh, I mean, they, they got three points, but they just they just didn't come out and do anything. Other than, as we talked about after the game, you know, defense I thought played pretty well, but from an offensive standpoint, it was, uh, it was a non-performance. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, yesterday, it comes out around, uh, I guess, about 12, 10, 12, 20 uh, in the afternoon, the noon hour for sure, on a Sunday afternoon, that uh, the decision had been made by Eskimos head coach Jason Moss to uh, relieve special teams coordinator Corey McDermott of his duties. And he's been here since Jason Moss has been the head coach starting in the 2016 campaign. And so has uh, special teams assistant Dave Jackson, uh, who is now the special teams coordinator. He was the assistant uh, uh, for uh, McDermott and, of course, for Jason Moss. Um, interesting 
with the timing. I think we all know special teams is struggling, but what do you, what do you make of this at this juncture of the season? Here we are sitting October 1st. The Eskimos have four games left. They're in a crossover spot at 7-7, seven and seven, and it's the special teams coordinator that, you know, takes the fall, uh, or that's what it looks like anyway. Yeah, no, I, um, I'm i not sure uh, the impact that this is going to have in the overall uh, outlook on what is going on with the Eskimos. I'm, I'm not sure uh, letting go the special teams uh, coach, um, if, if that's going to be the catalyst that makes his team play better. I do know this, though, that whenever a coach gets fired, and, and, and players know why they get fired. It's because they're not doing, they're not performing to the uh, uh, to the highest level or to the level that is expected of them. And uh, a lot of times, uh, it becomes a, a like a something that just sort of shocks them and wakes them up. And and maybe this is the uh, maybe this is something that the Eskimos you know needed. Uh, I'm sure nobody wants to, uh, uh, you know, Jason Moss, uh, he brought this uh, Corey in, and this is the first firing that he's ever had to do or replacement, and, and I'm, I'm sure that doesn't sit well with him. But uh, but maybe this is something that will help. Um, if it doesn't, I won't be surprised. I, I think the issues that they have are a little deeper than that, and, and uh, um, letting go a special teams co- uh, coach is uh, – is certainly, uh, you know, maybe that's maybe that's something that needed to happen, but I don't think that's going to solve all the problems. Uh, the problems were, um, we, and we talked about this. Uh, basically, the special teams, of course, they they did have a, a punt block in the game. Um, there there have been some issues about the special team being the only team that only Eskimos being one of I think a couple of teams that haven't returned a kick for a touchdown this year. Uh, so there's been some non performances within that group, and maybe this is uh, had they had better performances over the course of the year, maybe that might have contributed to a couple of the wins that they lost. Um, so no, there's still enough time for this to be a statement and this to, to you know get a reaction out of the players that that you hope it does. Um, but uh, at this point in the season, uh, it's uh, it's almost like grasping at straws. Eskimos in-game analyst Blake Dermott joining us here on 6:30. Chad Inside Sports, and you mentioned it uh, about the statement, right? The statement that this makes, and Jason Moss talked talked about it uh, during his uh, his uh, media availability today at Commonwealth, saying. Oh. When you know, if you're not trying to make a statement, if you make a move like this, it ultimately does make a statement to the rest of the group. And he also talked about perhaps this will shock some players and shock some personnel into buying into what the team is trying to you know, trying to sell. And uh, Jason Moss talked again about um, players showing up late at meetings, players not uh, being attentive enough in meetings or on the field. And Blake, I'm sitting here thinking to myself. Didn't we talk about this back in like July? Didn't we? Did, didn't we talk about this already? Uh, so to me, that's that seems a little alarming. That are you know we're we're four games left in the regular season. The Eskimos still in the playoff spot, but that's precarious right now if they don't pick it up. And we're just talking about those little details still. Well, that's the big difference between uh, the really good teams and and teams that are just also rans. Is that the really good teams, uh, you don't have to even discuss details because the details are looked after. The details are, uh, people understand how important they are and how critical they are to the success of the team. But when you got to still be, you know, trying to point out the importance of details with four games left, as you said, like, that, that that's what I'm talking about. This, there being a bigger, seems to be a bigger problem within this group right now. And uh, um, it isn't it isn't the special teams coach, but it's the details that got a man fired from his job, and 
And you, you, you hope that, as Coach Moss says, that this shocks some people into thinking, oh, maybe I'm next. Maybe I better take care of those details. And you never, you never are going to be successful when you coach from fear. And if somebody's afraid of, of uh, uh, if somebody's afraid of losing their job, you're never going to, you're never going to have success. That you, you've got to have people wanting to buy into this thing for the greater good of the team. And and that concerns me uh, with his statements t- today. And really, if the offense doesn't pick it up, uh, then this this moves go this move goes for naught anyway. Um, and, and it's alarming to see this offense struggle so much because we've seen the offense perform at a high level. Um, you know, going back to well, I mean, going back to. 2014, but really 2015, and even the first year Moss was a uh, Jason Moss was an offensive coordinator and head coach in his first year. Um, if that area doesn't pick up, then this move is for nothing anyway. But what are you seeing on offense that they're not doing, or maybe they need to do um, from from your standpoint when you're watching from afar? Well, you know, uh, when I when I watched this game, and I made comments after the game, and I stick by them, saying that I, I thought, I thought this was one of the, um, well, it's just I don't want to say worst, but it was. It really was one of the worst games that uh, Mike Riley had played. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was there was a number of cases where um, the timing that he had between him and his receivers, where he seemed to be behind his receivers an awful lot. And and I don't know if that was because of pressure up front because it seemed to, he seemed to have time to throw the ball and there were times that he rushed the ball and still threw the ball behind you know or he was being rushed and he threw the ball behind I don't know if he was if he was as sharp on his reads in the game to to be able to see and pick that up again with some new bodies you got Darrell Walker out you got now you know with Duke out you're you're playing with guys whose timing is slightly different and that could have impacted some of that. But for the most part, I mean, uh, Mitchell has been around. He's been around for a couple of years. Uh, the timing should be okay with that. Uh, uh, Kenny Stafford, those guys have been starting since the beginning of the season. They, they, it didn't seem, but it seemed to be with all of those players that there was that kind of thing with respect to where the ball was being placed, and and that led to one of the uh, the pick six uh, certainly, and it led to Duke Williams getting hurt because the ball was thrown behind him. Um, so I, I, I don't think he was as sharp. As, as he needs to be. Also, uh, you know, and again, I, I don't know. I always say this because I, I don't want to be critical of what's been called because I don't know what's been called and I don't know what's been changed at line of scrimmage and all that kind of stuff. But, but when you've got C.J. Gable, and C.J. Gable is as having a relatively good night at the time, you know, I think it was five carries, 43 yards, something like that. Right. You know, those are, those are almost gaudy numbers in the CFL, having eight, nine yards carry. And then he ends up the half with 57 or 47 or 48 yards or something. Like, they just sort of went away from it. And, and Coach Moss touched on that a little bit in, in, in the postgame, saying that, you know, the game was dictated, scored, changed things a little bit. The Eskimos were down two touchdowns, and sometimes you can't stick with that. But I know that when you're successfully getting seven, eight yards a carry, and you're only getting 6.3 yards a pass, mm-hmm. where I'd want to put my efforts. And, and I think that... Uh, um, I think, and and we all know that uh, running the ball early in a game, running the ball lots in a game, when you're having success, which the Eskimos were, is only going to help you later in the game because that's an opportunity for your 320-pound guys to beat up on the 260-pound guys. And and the the prolonged beating that they take over the course of the game can wear down a defense and keep them on the field longer and takes up more energy and all of those things. And 
And that concerns me with the big group that they've got up front, that the Eskimos aren't more dominant as a running team. Because that certainly would take some of the pressure off Riley and certainly take some of the pressure off the, off the offense. But uh, usually at this time of the year, you start seeing a little bit more balance. And But in, in the, the game uh, the other night, there was no balance in that game. It was a little bit of running at the beginning of the game, and then it was just all pass after that. Yeah, I think that's a good point, too. And uh, the, the good news out of today about Duke Williams, as you mentioned, um, is it doesn't sound like it's uh, overly serious. It, it, it doesn't mean he's going to play on Thanksgiving. But uh, Jason Moss also said, I, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play on Thanksgiving. He basically said if he can catch and he can run, he's going to play. But uh, that's good news, and uh, the Eskimos need uh, all the weaponry they can, but they definitely got to get in sync. And as we finish up here, Blake, it, it doesn't look good right now. And, and we have said this uh, a, a few times in the past, and time is running out, but this is a CFL, and things can change in a heartbeat. So it, it'll be interesting to see what this change uh, you know, with, with Corey McDermott going out and just the message that it sends, if it sends any sort of message, because I think there's there might be some skepticism, but we won't know until next Monday, right? And that's the first indication right. that we're going to really see it. Right. Well, you know, the other thing, too, is that there is, I mean, the Eskimos still today sitting in fourth place in the West are still sitting in a playoff position because of the crossover. Um, so it's not like they're out of the playoffs and, and uh, all is not lost. But in order for them to have any kind of success or to have an extended playoff uh, experience, they got to be a lot better. And uh, and the the good news is, is that everybody believes that. And and uh, Coach Moss has taken a, a pretty heavy, drastic step to try to you know when you when you fire a guy, that's that's tough. Um, mm-hmm. That's tough on the coaches. It's doing the firing. It's tough on the organization. When you let a guy go, you know that really is a last straw, or at least you know a, a position where. You, you think that something's got to be done that's out of the ordinary, and, and this is what the Eskimos have got themselves into, and maybe this will be the catalyst that they need. Blake, as always, thanks for your time. We'll uh, probably see you down in practice later this week. Uh, thanks so much. Okay, thanks a lot, Dave. I was enjoy the insights of our in-game analyst Blake Dermott, and uh, we will hear from him next Monday, Thanksgiving Day. As the Eskimos take on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders at Mosaic Stadium in Regina, it's a noon countdown to kickoff to... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply o'clock for what will be a big game between the Eskimos and Riders. Major Leagues of Baseball today. LA Dodgers, Milwaukee Brewers, they've managed to avoid the NL wildcard game by winning their respective division titles in one-game playoffs today. Dodgers claiming their sixth consecutive National League West crown. Brewers capturing the NL Central and home field advantage for the division and championship series. And the losers of those games, the Chicago Cubs and the uh, Colorado Rockies, they will play the National League wildcard tomorrow. The American League wildcard is the New York Yankees at home to the Oakland Athletics. Monday night football in Denver, 3-3 between the Broncos and the Kansas City Chiefs. Oilers are in Germany. Yes, they are. They're getting ready to take on the Cologne Sharks on Wednesday morning in a preseason game. We'll hear 
from members of the Oilers, including Todd McClellan, including Tobias Reeder, who's back in his home country, along with Leon Dreisaitl. Campbell in for week, uh, Wilkins on 6.30 Chad Inside Sports. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.